Welcome to Newborn to Teen and Everything in Between, the podcast from Bespoke Family. I'm Bex. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us as we tackle the ups and downs of life with children, helping you to get the best out of your time together. No rules, no judgment, just guidance. So grab a cuppa and let's get started with today's episode. Hello everybody and today our podcast is with Samantha from SPD Tuition and Coaching. So welcome Samantha. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, it's our pleasure, it's lovely to have you with us. And um, our topic for today is talking to toddlers, which is something Samantha's got a lot to talk about on. Oh, yeah. So um, <laughs> um, without further ado, let's just hear a little bit about SPD tuition and coaching and just who you are and what you do and that kind of thing. Yes, who am I and what do I do? My goodness. <laughs> so I am, I'm Sam, Samantha, and I have a background in education. I started off um, in the early years, so as a nursery nurse, um, and then worked all the way up with kind of different age groups and, and, and all the way up to deputy headship and, and consultancy. Um, and I set this company up because I was really looking for, I suppose, the bridge between academic success and well-being. Um, and, and that came in the form of confidence and communications coaching, which I kind of started to put in place through this company. Um, and now I do teacher training and practitioner training um, around in terms of the neuroscience behind behaviour and how to connect with big children and little ones. Um, so I support parents with, with that. Um, and I also work with children and young people directly so that they can understand, I suppose, understand why they do things um, and how it impacts them internally and externally. So managing the two worlds of internal and external worlds. Um, so that's that's kind of where the, the company is now. But it did start off as a tutoring company um, when it was first and first opened so that's why we added the coaching to it <laughs> rather than changing the full name uh, we just kind of added coaching to it because it started off as SPD tuition and and yeah we kind of grew from there as I went into the coaching world and uh, started to certify as an executive coach mentor I started to see that actually it wasn't about the academic side most of the time it's more about the thoughts and the understandings about ourselves that hinder us. Um, so I'm trying to change the world and um, do it one one school and one family <laughs> at a time, which is a big mission, I know, but it really is my mission is to really help people to manage their minds and to achieve what they want to achieve through doing that. Um, so big humans and small, um, we all work the same way, funnily enough. <laughs> So what is it about talking to toddlers that you find interesting and why why did is this a, a topic that you thought would be a really good one for this podcast? So for me, I think I find, well, I mean, I find anything to do with the brain interesting. <laughs> I love the science. Um, and the toddler stage for me is such a, such a, well, toddlers and teens, but because they do very much, you know, the same sort of, of processing. Um, but for me, the, the toddler stage is one very close to my heart because I am a toddler mummy at the moment, um, experiencing it all with, you know, with the the knowledge and everything kind of going on one side and then the I'm actually a mum the other side and obviously, you know, a human being. <laughs> 
who, as I was saying to Claire earlier, got recently bitten by her, her toddler um, and is, is, you know, walking around with a huge bruise on her arm as a result of, of the toddler stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me, it just it has such an impact on how we see ourselves as parents. You know, this developmental stage not only impacts them hugely in how they interact with the world, how, you know, their emotions go from zero to, you know, a thousand in a millisecond. Um, So it's a really interesting stage from the science perspective. It's a really interesting stage as a parent um, because you can literally see everything changing through those years. And, and as Claire and I was talking about, you know, before we got going, even up to the ages of four or five, this whole, you know, this whole age group has such a, a diverse and interesting stance to it in terms of what we see behavior wise, interaction wise, the connections that they make and have with ourselves as parents and practitioners. So that's why I think that this stage is so so crucial in terms of getting to know a little bit about what you're working with because the science behind it is just really interesting. Um, once you start to, I mean, my, my husband says to me all the time, you parent through science. And I always laugh internally and, and sometimes out loud because I think, well, I'm trying. <laughs> you know, I really try to parent through science. Not always, you know, not always is it successful. Um, my humanness definitely takes over sometimes and it's just me. <laughs> but I'm really trying to parent through science because I think understanding them at this point helps us to really help them manage what they're experiencing. Do you think, though, that toddlers get such a bad reputation before even we've got to that? So so everyone's like, oh, wait till they're a toddler. Wait till they're. And I think in a way that can hinder how you look at it, because I think sometimes Mm. you're there going, oh, well, that's just because they're a toddler. And that's just not, you know of course they're going to do that they're going to have tantrums because every toddler has a tantrum or and I think you hear everyone go oh yeah toddler stage really hard and and I think sometimes when you hear that over and over you start to in a way dread it or think Mm. that it has to be like that and and then actually you just yeah and I think I, I feel so sorry for toddlers because I think they come into being too and it's amazing like they've learned to walk talk if you think what a baby goes from the point mm-hmm. of being born to being you know 18 months two years old what they've learned to do in that mm-hmm. time is massive and then suddenly we're expecting them to actually conform to a lot of things and I think that for me really challenges that kind of conflict of parenting and the Mm. expectation that children will you know toddlers are just going to be tricky yeah it's almost like we go from just absolute appreciation to fearing the next stage you know that terrible twos that all you know you wait sort of that Mm. anticipation of what's coming can really impact us as parents can't it and I think that you know through generations we, our parenting styles have definitely changed over years, you know, and, and what we know about children, how we we want to respond to them. Um, and I think the preconceived ideas of, of toddler 
development and, and responses and behaviors have a huge impact because all of a the sudden they hit two and it's almost like as as parents we kind of tighten up a little bit like oh you know, brace yourselves for that toddler for that toddler storm to hit but actually it doesn't it doesn't hit like that it doesn't all of the sudden wake you know wake up and you know they're standing at the the, the bottom of the bed ready for you you know it, it's not like that as, as they go into toddlerhood is it it's that all of a the sudden they're starting to want to know the world a bit better and that really is what what it's about it's not about them kind of you know getting getting too big for their boots as i've heard parents say mm-hmm. in the past or you know getting an attitude it really isn't about that it's simply about the fact that they are really just trying to work out what on earth is going on around them from a brain that's not developed <laughs> mm-hmm. um and they function on on fear or safety um as, as you know and, and and working whether working out whether or not they can do something or they can't do something and i mean my little one he's he's just getting to you know that that three stage um so not now not only is he trying to connect with the world and, and trying to understand it but now he wants to know why so now we're, we'll, we'll set the boundaries and we do it in a, in a nice, safe environment and we'll, we'll talk him through the things he's experiencing and, you know, quote-unquote, parent through science, as I, as, as I said before. But now he's like, well, why? You know, I, I asked him this morning, right, we're going to go upstairs and we're going to get you dressed so you can go to nursery and I need to get dressed too. And it's like, mummy, you get dressed <laughs> all the way here. And I was like, well, you're going to come with me. He was like, why? <laughs> and I'm standing there thinking, well, why does he have to come with me? I could just go and get dressed and then he could get dressed afterwards. Like, he doesn't have to come with me. So, you know, well said, child. <laughs> Good so job. So what did you, what did you, you do? Did he come with you or did you go and get no, dressed? And... No, he didn't come with me. I just, I said, that's a great question. <laughs> Actually, it's probably easier for me to go up and get dressed rather than having you with me so shall i go and get dressed first and then you can get dressed afterwards and he said yeah good job mummy <laughs> <laughs> and i think that that's just about you know recognizing them that they're, they're they are we're not keeping them just alive anymore mm-hmm. they are little human beings with this understanding of the world that they have created themselves um and they're putting it in action and that's what and toddlers a, are doing all the time yeah. and it's a really confusing world because actually, you know, like you said, you're like, right, come on, let's go and get changed. Da, 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 da. And he's going, but why? And actually it's because in our heads, we're just doing stuff. As adults, we kind of just go on our own agenda and they follow. And when they don't follow, because they have done for the last 18 months, two years on the whole, it throws everyone. And everyone's like, uh, what? And then actually, if you'd said to your little one, no, you are coming because I've said it Mm. and that's what we're doing, that whole situation could have just completely escalated, couldn't it? And that could have been her, you know, a really dramatic morning, unnecessarily maybe. Yeah. For nothing. (laughs) For absolutely nothing. It would have probably made more stress for me having Mm -hmm. to get dressed around him, you know, and then fight him to get dressed or fight with him to get him up the stairs. And I think that, as you said, it is, isn't it? It is that whole, well, because I said so. And because I'm the adult, that's what we do. But Mm -hmm. actually, I'm finding more and more putting this into practice and putting this in in with my my little one. I'm finding more and more that actually 
some of the things we say as grown-ups don't make sense. Some of the things that we decide is, <laughs> you know, are the things that we want to do. When you really do ask why, it's because, well, that's that's what that was my first thought. So I was going to run with it. You know, I didn't actually ask myself why. I didn't think why am I going to do that? And is that going to be the best thing to do? And obviously this is a, a small, you know, a minor um, version of everything that we do as grown-ups. And, and sometimes there is a huge why. And it is about taking the time to be like, well, actually, this is why. Mm. And most of the time that boils down to, well, I'm keeping you safe. I'm keeping you safe or I'm running out of time. They tend to be the two that, that push me forward as a parent and the two that I see a lot in terms of practitioners and parents that I work with you know either this is the why it, I'm keeping you safe so you need to do what I'm asking you to do in order for me to be successful here or we haven't got time for me to let you do what you want to do in your time scale so can we do it my way just to just to get done you know just to be finished so that we could get in the car or get to school or get to and I think they t- they tend to be the, the two major wires as parents most of the time, if we thought about them. <laughs> yeah, and I think we le- lead incredibly busy lives. Like, there's a lot of pressure. We, you know, yeah. we were talking that actually we now have work. We have those things all going around. We have our social lives. We are doing, yeah. our children have amazing social lives. We're doing the groups. We're doing this. And very often where they're going, we have to get to this, we have to go here, we have to go there. And it's like, actually, it's quite a lot for all of us, let alone a little person that can't tell the time, can't articulate Mm. really what's happening and how they're feeling when they might just want to be at home or they might want to just go to the park and they don't want to go and run errands and they don't want to go to nursery and they don't want to do all those things. But yet we're there kind of doing it. And Mm. I suppose that's when it comes into that kind of talking to them and communicating with them and making sure that they understand what's going on to reduce those frustrations I suppose Mm. you know so how you know when we talk about talking to toddlers what kind of things would you kind of why is it important I think when it when it comes to talking to toddlers I think the first the first reason for it being important is understanding of course but also connection I think that so often we are so busy, as you were saying, you know, life is so busy and we have so much going on that it will be, you know, put your coat on, get your shoes on, do this, do that. It's all very instruction based. It's all, you know, it's all kind of this, 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 this um, set up. And, And sometimes it is just about taking that breath with them and just setting out, okay, today we're going to do you know and if maybe you're at home with them it might be something that you're going to do it might be something they're going to do at nursery um i always start the day when he's going to nursery by simply saying what do you think you'll do today i wonder if i mean i'm i'm terrible at looking at um, my, my nursery uses tapestry i'm terrible at you looking at it as a practitioner i used to be always that practitioner that said you have to look check on you know check on tapestry or check on whatever the platform was at the time you know look in that book and as a parent I'm now completely get why we do not (laughs) because I do not look at that book I do not look at the the tapestry because there are thousands of other things in that day that I have to do or get to do you know um so I very rarely check tapestry um ahead of time before the day to know what he will be doing um so we just bring it into conversation and if I think you know that aside that works with my child 
if I think about some of the parents I work with, some of the children that I work with, they would need that. They would need to know exactly what was coming. So different children, different needs, different approaches. Um, my son is quite happy to speculate with me about what might be around the corner, uh, what, what toys he might play with and what friends might be there or what members of staff are on in that particular day. So it's not, it's not a need for him. He doesn't need that safety. But if we think about some children, they do need to know who's going to be there, what they're going to be doing, when they're going to be doing it. Um, and I think that that's a huge thing for some children. Um, so knowing, of course, your child when you're talking to your toddler is a massive, massive part of it. Um, but I just know that for my child, that is fine. I can give him a lot of ideas and he'll merrily kind of pick through them and decide what he'd like to do and then get there. And if it's not available, pick something else. Um, whereas other children will get there and say, well, actually, mummy said <laughs> I was going to play with the cars and they're not out. So this, is not, this is not acceptable. <laughs> get the cars out. Um, so for some children, you wouldn't be able to do that. Right. Um, so I think having that opportunity to talk with your child and, and to either set out the playing field directly with them so they know and that, you know, they feel safe and calm and ready to go or to bounce ideas around and, and get them excited in a different way, whichever route your child needs allowing space and time for that is so important um, and it gives them that connection with you because they get to talk about what they think throughout that um, and, and noticing you know I always say that when we're thinking about safety with our toddlers choice is a huge part of that too allowing them you know what coat do you want to wear this one or this one if you have two coats you know or what shoe are you going to put on first this one or this one <laughs> you know having that opportunity is so important because they get to practice decision making in a safe space where they don't have too many choices to make because of course that can be overwhelming as well um as a parent i think what is the most the trickiest state or the trickiest thing about um as children develop you as a parent have to develop alongside don't you so yeah. you've got to develop from talking to a baby to then talking to a toddler to talking mm. to a preschool you know and and so yeah. it goes on and then you end up with your teenagers and you have to again develop another way of talking mm. to them don't you and so how I mean Claire laughs at me with this because one of the things that um I did with my children and probably maybe I shouldn't have done and I didn't carry on was the baby voice so when yeah. you've got a baby and you go you say oh look at the doggy you know that kind of thing Claire would be very much, why are you saying doggy? Say yes. dog. And, you know, as a little tiny baby, you've got that sing song. And so potentially you could mm. almost, when I say get away with it, you know what I mean. You know, you could mm. have that, oh, look at the doggy, da, 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 because actually it's more about the sound rather than what you're saying to a baby. Mm. But when do you start? Stop. I mean, I don't know. This is me as a parent saying this. But when do you stop? You haven't stopped. That's the thing. <laughs> oh, shush. <laughs> I love that. I love that. What? Still say that to my teenagers? She would. Look at the door. And she kind. And she kind of still says yeah. it if we're out and about. She'd be like, "Oh, look, look at that dog, doggy." And I'm like, "No, no. Just look at the dog." <laughs> <laughs> no, I but, feel like I, you've answered your own question here, Beth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I know I have. <laughs> if we start, when do we stop? You know, and this is the question. And I think that 
Um, I, I, I don't know what your thoughts are, Claire, on this, but my, my thoughts in terms of language development um, and vocabulary development is that baby talk only has a place for us as parents. It really doesn't have that much of a place for the children. So when we are wanting our children to replicate what we do, if we, and, and actually, you know, this is something that I've, I work with in schools as well, is if we teach the children what we want them to know, then they will learn it. If we teach them something else and then change the game completely, they're going to get confused and they won't know the rules. So if you start using words that you don't want your child to write in story language when they get to school, don't teach them it. <laughs> don't teach them it ahead of time because that's what they will practice and practice makes progress. So if you don't want your child to make progress in something, don't teach them that something <laughs> because they will use it over and over again. I really hope that in their GCSE English language, they didn't write all about doggies there. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> no, I know they didn't. It's fine. It's fine. No, I'm thinking for primary. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But that's a really key point to make to all parents, isn't it? I think the way you've, you've summed that up is really, really good in that actually why, why do you have a baby vocabulary yeah. at all? Really, you should start calling you, saying what it is as soon as yeah you can still you know, have your start. pitch and tone and you can still be very kind yeah. of like your parentese voice which is your you know mm -hmm. making sure that it, like like we're talking now if we were talking very monotone it would be boring to listen to so we're yeah. talking normally we're not using those kind of baby voices but yet we change you know you can hear if someone's happy sad mm. frustrated annoyed through their voice without adding in all of the other side of things. But I think it's, for me, it, and it's a very personal thing and I understand it because so many mm. people do it, but it's like, yeah. look at the pussycat. And it's like, no, it's just a cat. And I'm not mm. saying that I'm right or wrong. I'm just saying it's what, for me, I just find it quite strange saying those things whereas for other people it's completely natural and normal but it's that communication with toddlers and older has to progress it has to be that kind of I, they have to hear our pitch and tone because actually until they understand what we're saying I think if we make everything really bright and breezy they're not picking mm. it up in the same way and I don't think they use their vocabulary in the same way absolutely and I think it's so important and and you know I've done it in the past and I agree completely and I found myself saying things and I then questioned myself as a human being after like what I've done this for so long I've worked with children for so long and I've never done that why am I doing this as a parent you know it's bizarre um because you do almost have that mum brain and and the the other part of your brain completely separate um and I think that you know I and I've said it to to my little boy before you know oh let's feed the duckies and then afterwards I'm like the ducks we're going to feed the ducks that's what we're going to do and I just, don't say duckies where did duckies come from you know not on Coronation Street um and and it is very much you know about checking in with yourself isn't it and I think that it comes into social norms you know and 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 I always use this this phrase and it's something that I talk about a lot is what people see as being a quote-unquote normal parent versus you know what what the you know the practice you've had as a, a teacher or a, a nursery nurse or a, is is so different sometimes um that you you do 
you do cross the the boundaries that you thought you wouldn't <laughs> in terms of vocabulary and, and, and communication because you hear it so often and of course you know when you're surrounded by things that that other parents are doing you start to pick up words and, and habits and and I think you can get a bit carried away with it but if you if it's something that you are concerned about particularly with children that struggle with with language and struggle with communication in terms of vocabulary I think it's something to really consider and to catch what words are you using and how frequently are you using them you know do you say doggies at the park um, and are they able to say doggies dog versus doggies which one's going to be easier to say and how how useful are the words that you're providing your child with um, when it comes to replicating them um, sorry to use your example there Bex I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> it's fine it was only kind of just thinking the same with duck and duckies you know it, by adding the extra part to the word is it making it more difficult for them to say um, but there's so many things to consider when it comes to communicating with your toddler and your baby um, because obviously the more they hear something the more more they are going to engage with it so if you say feats or you say feet <laughs> you know it, it's not gonna make any difference to them other than what they're going to then go into the world thinking it is I had um, a conversation with someone a couple of months ago um, who was saying that they got to school and thought their toes were actually called piggies because their mum had said piggies um, you know when doing the rhyme so they had not had that conversation about it being toes. And so when they got to school, they thought that their toes were their piggies. Now that's super cute. That's so cute, you know, and we love that about our children. And we do these, you know, these wonderful rhymes and play with them and use these wonderful words. But it's also about, okay, if we say that, what do we balance it with? What am I going to put alongside it to make sure that actually they have got the, the alternative as well? So, you know, you might say, oh, look at that doggy. He's so cute. What a lovely dog. So mm. you've got both. So mm -hmm. they know that if they hear the word dog, they can associate it with doggies. It's the same thing. Does that make sense? I'm mm. um, just trying to think of how to bridge the gap. If you are practicing that yourself and you need to just try and catch yourself in action and, and kind of bridge it so that you can still feel that that connection because that's what those sorts of words do as a parent they give you a bit of connection don't they but also give them something they can use but i think it's also being really clear be that we say doggies knowing it's a dog our little ones are learning yeah. what yeah. a dog is and so actually we might say doggies yeah. and assume that they know what a doggy is and actually then we use dog mm. and then it's like are they the same thing and actually do our children see the same dog every time? Because actually all dogs look different. So it's like, mm. well, is that a doggy? Because it's big and it's this. Because is, is that a dog? Because the last time you said dog, it was with a little one. And mm. so actually they're, they're having to make some yeah. really strong connections if we interchange it. Mm. And it's not a problem to interchange it, but yeah. like you say, it's that bridging it, isn't it? It's going, oh, look at the doggies. And mm. that's, a, that's a big dog and that's a little dog. And so you're kind of putting it all together so that they can kind of make those connections with at the same time rather than kind of one minute calling it one, one minute calling it something else. So, And I think if we were to take it that step further as well, Claire, it then impacts, and obviously this is total teacher brain kicking in, but it then impacts things like 
you know pluralizing words if you want to have a plural word it's not doggy it's not it's not doggies it's dogs so we then impact their understanding of the the language itself um inadvertently we're not you know and i always say to parents we are impacting our children no matter what we do whether we're conscious or not um and if we are using language that does sound like a plural but isn't a plural then as they get through the education system it feels like it's a long time but it really isn't and you know parent years just seem to go by like go by like hours don't they um it really does impact the wider learning for them without really realizing it if that mm-hmm. i don't know if, if that's okay to share because i don't want to panic any parents here yeah. thinking oh my goodness you know what have i done <laughs> um everything is, is changeable <laughs> so please don't panic. but i always say that to claire you know, I always say, oh, well, you know, we've just talked about one of the things that I did. And yeah. there's, you know, there's loads of things that I, I've said to Claire and loads of times, well, I did that. Have I damaged them forever? Yeah. And you always say to me, don't you? Absolutely not. There's nothing that isn't fixable yeah. kind yes. of thing. Yeah. And actually, yeah. you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not, you know, if they have the start thinking doggies is the pu- plural they will go through the education system and they will get there. It's absolutely fine. It like it's, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll, they'll work it out and it will come through. It's just kind of going, mm-hmm. I I think probably what, from working with so many children, and I think we talk about this all the time, there's got to be a two-way respect. And I think sometimes if we don't change the way we talk to our children as they get older, if we're still mm. in that kind of, oh, you're okay, and let's do that, you know, and not really talking to them going, oh, that must have been really tough. That's a bit tricky. Mm. And actually really listening to how we're communicating with them that we don't, you know, that we're... But it's we're not showing them how almost, to communicate yeah how do we communicate and if we say i wonder if i wonder what we're going to do or that must have been a really tricky day for you rather than being like oh dear never mind tomorrow will be a better day you know and completely yeah. actually if we are able to communicate with them in a much more respectful kind of understand and when i say respectful it's as they're getting older I think mm. understanding that they're getting older and they will communicate to us in a way that we communicate to them. I think as well, it's 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 not necessarily having, um, in my thoughts, it's not necessarily having that kind of, that must have been, it's, was that, was that tricky? Mm-hmm. I think I would have found that tricky. Was that tricky for you? Mm-hmm. Or was that okay? Because actually, you know, as they get older, and, and I, I absolutely agree, Claire, I think that respect is a huge thing, but not just as our children get older, you know, having having respect for our children at toddler age as well, you know, mm-hmm. is, is really important because again, you know, thinking back to getting my son ready this morning, if I had just said, well, I'm the adult, that's it. You're doing as I'm told that, that just gives him the the idea that actually his, his ideas are not valid. You know, his, his why doesn't matter. And, and, and it isn't that for me, for me, it is, well, actually, you're a, you're a human being too and I'm going to acknowledge that you've asked a question and I'm going to question myself based on that because it does turn out that you're probably right um, <laughs> your two-year-old brain there um, and, and, and going from there and I think when we start making that shift and this is something that as, as I said before I'm really working on with the practitioners as well is when we start making that shift from adult versus child um, you know I think 
just having us all as human beings and having that respect, having that understanding when we're communicating with each other has a, has a massive impact on the outcomes because what we're putting in changes, mm-hmm. you know? So having that, was how did that feel? Or I wonder if that might have felt is, a, is going to be, I suppose, a bit of a rope for them to start to pull themselves along with. Oh, actually, well, some of that felt okay, but some of it didn't feel okay. And they can then start to weave with it rather than kind of children just being, I suppose, one or the other. You know, there there is always a there is always a crossover, isn't there? And I think that having that respect to to give them the I suppose to give them the opportunity to share their thoughts is is so important, a massive part of communication, especially kind of once we get out of survival mode. You know that, as you said, you know those first eighteen months or so. You're, you're basically just, you know, keeping your child safe, aren't you? And and yourself as, as put together as you possibly can. Um, and then once you start to technically parent, I think it does shift how we talk to them, how we listen to them, how we connect with them. Um, Do you think it's useful um, starting from very little to have that whole... Um, mm. I know Claire talks a lot about um, providing a running commentary. Because if you start when they're little to provide that running commentary, presumably they start to get used to the fact that they know what's coming next. They know what's going to happen. And in fact, you're by providing a running commentary, you're not talking in kind of down to them. You're just basically saying this is what's going to happen. Because I've always, you know, I, I don't know that as a parent, when mine were little, I realised how important that really was to children to kind of know what was happening next. I sort of just like you said, you know, I was a bit like, well, get in the car. And they're a bit like, well, where are we going? And I don't think I realised what an impact on actually just saying we're going to such and such in a minute, which is why you're going to have to put your coat shoes on and get in the car, would have had an impact on their behaviour, their understanding of everything. And like Claire said, giving them actually a bit of respect to say, you don't have to just get in the car and do what I tell you to do. This is why we're doing it. Yeah. And again, I think this this has come a a long way from like through parenting changes and, and how we understand how children respond and their their mind and how how it works because you're absolutely right i think that when we use that running commentary and when we start to say to our children we're going to do this this and this this is going to happen then that's because x y and z um and and also i think part of i don't know about yours claire but part of my running commentary even kind of with other people's children as well as my own has also been like oh thank you for doing that and so you're also bringing things like you know gratitude and appreciation and and a whole host of other things um into that commentary that they are then hearing and utilizing um so it gives them not only labels for the world so that they know oh that's the car and (laughs) that's the seat and these are my shoes on a very basic level but also we then have okay so we're starting to then understand that that's a routine i we did that yesterday you know that was the same mum said the same thing here and here so that must be the same you know we get to start to put the world the jigsaw together for them um and then on top of that we're also starting to form their inner voice because up until around the age of seven a little bit beyond for some we're starting to create how they how they talk to themselves you know so everything we say and as i said before you know the impact that we have it goes beyond our conscious choice so everything that we say to ourselves everything we say to them is starting to build that inner voice that they say to themselves um, you see this in their creative play when they're, you know, coming to, you know, maybe between two and four, five, 
and then even beyond um but of course then they have other environmental environmental impacts <laughs> not just <laughs> us once they're you know up, up that age group um but as up until that point it is predominantly us isn't it or nursery or you know anyone that is in the the caregiving circle if you like um and you start to see them replicate that in their play so they'll start to i mean i, I watched my toddler the other day um say as, as part of his play no don't do that that's naughty now I've never said that. That's a that's something that I I don't say very consciously. Um, I'm not a fan of telling someone something is naughty, um, because of course I then want to talk about a whole host of other stuff around it, and <laughs> so we do it in a lot of different ways. Um, and for me, my first port of call was, oh, where did that come from? Let me check in with him. But it it turns out it came from I think it was Paw Patrol or something he was watching and. The, the, <laughs> I don't know, something had happened and they said it was naughty. Um, and, but taking that kind of, that commentary, I now am adding extra bits in to try and undo what he's learned there. <laughs> because I don't want him to think that when he does something that's naughty or he's naughty. Um, so I'm now kind of rewording that phrase for him as part of my commentary. Um, because I don't want that to become part of his inner voice. Um, so there we go, more parenting through science. <laughs> But I think it's also looking at the whole kind of tech side of things. Yes, it has a place and everything else. And it's not talking about whether children mm. should watch TV or not. I actually think it's no. more about our communication as adults. I'm not sure we're as good at communicating anymore because we all spend a lot, majority of us spend quite a lot of time on a screen and interacting through things like social media or text messaging or you know all those sorts of things and it was so interesting I was with a family a couple of weeks ago and I was watching their two-year-old and the minute someone picked up a phone to do something this child was going ah you know you could hear in the voice it was I need your attention and I just sat back and watched and it was they called the name and it's like yeah yeah in a second in a second I'm just doing this and um anyway next minute something got launched across the room and it was like instantly okay why did you just throw that da, da, da. and it's like they threw it because they knew that was going to get attention mm. um but later on this is the best part the adult turned around and said can you come and do this and it's like in a minute and i was like there you yeah. go <laughs> it's just come back you know that's the circle it's do you know what? I'm actually busy. I'm doing my own thing. And it, and it was instantly adults like, no, 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 no. I've asked you to come now. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't interact with me right now. And I'm not saying every single time you have to be like, okay, no problem. Put your phone down. It's kind of going, I'm just on this. Do you want to come and sit with me? Or should I explain what I'm doing? Or let's find you a toy. I just need to finish this and then I'll come back rather than mm. in a minute. Just give me a minute. Um, because... I think we can get so distracted and I honestly think we're not so good at holding eye contact anymore. I don't think we're, you know, we're, we kind of talk to the, to the room often rather than kind of looking at someone and actually having eye contact and all that is so, so important 
Well, and sometimes um, you don't even hear somebody if you're engrossed in your... No. I mean, I, obviously, my teenagers are kind of case in point, but, you know, you speak to them and actually they literally cannot hear you. And so therefore, like you say, Claire, that, that is becoming a quite a big thing, isn't it? That we've got, I mean, we've got to live with it, haven't we? But it ha- yeah. is definitely something to take into account. But I think it's being very to... conscious of us, of going. And mm. I, I'm as guilty of this with, you know, with ch- friends, children and everything else. I'm, I have to be very conscious that my phone is away and that I am focused. And you suddenly realise what, you know that eye contact and that getting down on their level those things are Mm. so so kind of important and we don't necessarily always recognize it and I that Mm. comes with that language stuff as well doesn't it it's it's Mm. not just about the words you say it's all the body language it's all the eye contact and everything else that goes with it Um, and what about volume that's the other thing isn't it and and tone and pitch and you know I, as a parent, and I can say this because I'm not a practitioner, but, you know, as a parent, if I wanted to get my point of view across, I said it very, very loudly. <laughs> but I've learned since that actually that doesn't make any difference. And in fact, they don't really understand if I'm really, that's, really shouting. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. You know, um, going back to the word now, you know, when we were thinking, when you were just saying, Claire, about the the family that you were talking about you know and that two different expectations of okay this is what I expect of you but when it comes to me then that's okay (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. um I I saw that recently with my toddler where I just said you know there are some times when I he pushes a boundary that I will say actually you know I want you to pick that up now because he's done something that's you know he knows he knows the rule and he he's kind of kept pushing you know um and now he's throwing that back right at me you know when i'll say something he'll say mommy get me this now you know because he, he he doesn't he knows he doesn't want to wait so he's already preempting he wants it now he wants it done right now <laughs> um and i think you know that's the same you know concept isn't it with are we and it's not it's not often my phone because i'm very considered with the phone um but i mean if i get a phone out he wants it <laughs> so that's more <laughs> the consideration is that i don't want him to have it not that i don't that i'm trying to ignore him but just that if i get it out he's like a magnet you know he wants it um but i think those sorts of considerations do have such a, an impact because he is is absolutely kind of got to the age and there's lots of families that i'm working with at the moment that are, that are talking about the same things you know do they do they get the phone out do they not get the phone out do they need to have it out sometimes because they're using it and then the child needs to just know why and that's you know talked about um but also i think you know that does come really closely with with pitch and with with how we talk in terms of volume and things like that because it's almost that kind of i'm shouting because i'm frustrated not because you need to be heard. So something that I'm working on with a family at the moment is exactly that, noise levels in their house. They say their children shout too much. Um, Their children range from one and a half to ten and a half. Um, And they are really struggling with, with, I've got three, they're really struggling with noise levels and they're all shouting at each other. Um, And one of the things that we have spoken about is, how do the children know when they're not safe? And I know I keep I always come back to safety, and that's because you know when we're working with with the brain, we're constantly the brain is always trying to figure out if we're safe or not. 
Um, and that's why we get lots of the, the sharp reactions that we do. Fight, flight or freeze kind of leads that. Um, but when we are using noise levels, if we can try and make it so that the children know when that noise level exceeds a certain, you know, a shout, um, that means something specific, it has more of an impact. Um, and just as you were talking, Bex, that's, it got me thinking about kind of how often parents do raise their voice to feel heard because they don't feel heard. But actually, that's an emotive feeling rather than a, a I suppose, a, a need, because the need actually is to, as you were saying, Claire, get down on their level, try and find some eye contact. But, you know, eye contact isn't comfortable for every child. Some children and, and young people don't don't find eye contact comfortable um and if your child or yourself are you know fall into that that bracket then there are other ways to connect simply kind of skin on skin is a really nice way to show you're listening um if you don't don't want to make eye contact or finding a bit of the face to look at um but yeah i think that that has such a huge impact on on connection and on them feeling safe enough to respond uh, this particular family with the noise level because they were all shouting no one would know if something was really happening that needed a quick response you know if someone was stepping out into the road they're all shouting at each other already there's no one's going to know that that's not safe because they're already shouting about something that's not you know that that's something they watched on the tv or something they did or you know because their noise levels weren't <laughs> weren't mm. shifting um and i think that that's a, something to bear in mind as a parent you know certainly something that I'm become more conscious of because my little one does shout a lot only because he gets frustrated a lot because he's hitting that you know that that stage of development where it's ah, if I can't <laughs> do it you know mum do this sort of thing um fix it so his his levels do vary quite hugely and I think as a parent it's about when do my need to vary and when are they varying because I'm struggling to feel heard feel seen feel connected to or manage my own emotions hmm. um oh goodness we've covered a lot um mm. but I feel that we need to kind of sum up and so Sam if you could just maybe just give us your three top tips for talking to toddlers we can kind of I feel that we could go on, but <laughs> but I feel that we need to end it or we'll, we'll probably, yeah. So maybe if you could share that, that would be great. Absolutely. Um, so I think for, for me, um, and I, I was thinking about this before, before we got going, I think the first one is connection. Find that connection. Um, as Claire mentioned, you know, getting down on their level, using positive touch, eye contact, um, even changing your breath is a really nice way to connect. Um, sometimes if, if my little one is, is struggling, I'll just, <sighs> okay, and, and reset him like that, um, which leads me into kind of my next tip is, is just remember your, your nervous system to nervous system when it's coming to your toddler. Um, their brains are not developed in the same way that ours. In fact, our, our brain doesn't fully develop until the age of 25. Um, so toddlers or teens, nervous system to nervous system is what you're working with. Um, and I think keeping that in mind and knowing that it's not it's not about what you've done or you know what's going on. It is about the reaction in their brain that they're working with can really help you to communicate. And just taking that breath, as I do with him, 
just for yourself can be <laughs> can be really useful for your nervous system in order to lead theirs. Um, and then the last one I think would be just to remember that you do have control of your inner voice. And we talked a lot about inner voice and 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 you know how we communicate with them and and making those connections and and vo- you know voicing our thoughts. But actually, as parents, a lot of what drives us, in fact, as human beings, uh, everything that drives us is our emotions, which come from the thoughts that we have. And if you um, are thinking terrible twos, you know, dreading that toddler stage, it will be over by the age of three. Um, it definitely won't, guys. So please, please <laughs> be, be warned that the, the, the development goes all the way. <laughs> um, and, you know, you're thinking all of these things or I'm a terrible mum because I've been bitten or I'm a terrible mum because this happened. All of those thoughts that you have create your emotions and your inner voice has a huge impact on what you do as a response to them. So I know lots of people have talked about kind of getting rid of timeouts um for children but i think having a time out for yourself is far more productive if it's getting too much take a moment just kind of if you need to leave the room leave the room providing they're safe um just take a time out for you and just correct your inner voice is it serving you is it helpful if it's not what do you need to do to to make a shift there in order to really talk to your toddler and i think the other thing to say is that actually you're never going to be able to do this 100% of the time like you're human and so those little bits like there will be days where you do raise your voice there will be days where you do say doggies and duckies and goodness knows what all day and that's fine like that is absolutely fine it is not a problem it is just purely kind of going give parenting is so hard and so full-on that there will be days when it just doesn't work and it just all you know it you feel like you've done everything that probably you know you shouldn't do there's no should or shouldn't it's just a case of if you use this occasionally it may just help a little bit more it's i think there's so much pressure on all areas of parenting that actually you're never going to get it right 100 percent of the time and if you do it 40 50 percent of the time you're probably smashing it (laughs) (laughs) yes absolutely turn those shoulds into coulds yeah very good always yeah so sam just remind us where we can find you or where everyone can find you on instagram and your website and that kind of thing well in in all on all platforms (laughs) (laughs) Uh, spd tuition and coaching as we all are now you can reach me on any any of the many social media platforms there are in the world um and you can head over to the website we're just having it redone at the moment actually because um we have as i said you know shifted the the company um quite considerably so a lot of what we do isn't actually on the current website but you can check out what we do have up there um spd tuition and coaching um but it's always lovely to hear from people on instagram or or through facebook as well um and it's really nice to talk to people so if you if you want to just pick up the phone and give me a call then i'm always happy to chat um with you and and to to go from there because sometimes i think it's all emails or or dm messages but actually uh, a call is is just as welcome (laughs) going back old school Oh, oh yeah, yes. old school, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the good old ways. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time. And I know that that's going to be really helpful. There's loads of great tips in that podcast, lots of take home. So um, really appreciate you taking your time out. Thank you. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's always lovely to chat with you both. That's everything for today. Thanks for listening. If there's something you'd like us to talk about, we'd love you to get in touch and let us know. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bespoke Family or head to our website. The links are in our show notes. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the next episode and please give us a rating or review if you like what you hear. We're Bex and Claire and we'll be back soon with another episode of Newborn to Team and everything in between. See you then.